Okay, as we come to God's word this morning, let me pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we come to your word, we can have confidence that you speak clearly. Thank you that you promise that your word will not return to you empty, but accomplish what you desire. And we pray that that would be true for us this morning. By your spirit, would you move amongst us? Help me to be clear. Give us listening hearts and hearts that are willing to hear and change. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if somebody murdered your brother, could you forgive them? In the news back in October was the case in the US of a policewoman called Amber Geiger. Perhaps you heard the, the news story. Who was convicted for shooting dead um, a black boy, Botham Jean. Uh, and in court, Botham Jean's brother, the murdered man's brother, called Brant, hugged his murderer, saying that he forgave her. And amazingly then, the judge, Tammy Kemp, also came down from the dock and hugged uh, the, the policewoman on trial. Strikingly, these, seems to have, th- these actions seem to have come from a Christian motivation. The Guardian reported that the judge, uh, Kemp, uh, spoke to Geiger, the policewoman on trial, handed her a Bible, pointed to John 3.16 and said, this is where you start. Surprisingly, well, sorry, not surprisingly, their actions drew mixed uh, responses. Some people were amazed, thinking, how on earth could you forgive uh, somebody who murdered your brother? But predictably, some were angry, including uh, many in the black community. So you learn a lot about people by how they treat their enemies. And in this chapter, chapter Jonah chapter 4, we also learn a lot about Jonah as he is confronted with how God treats his enemies. And as we look at Jonah 4, we too will be confronted by God's attitude to his enemies and perhaps challenged as to how we respond to it. We've reached the last chapter in uh, the book of Jonah, uh, which we've been going through uh, the last few weeks. And the book of Jonah is history, but it is also a literary book. And uh, like any book, it needs to do certain things, doesn't it? Like any novel or, or story, tying up loose ends. If you've been here through our series, you'll know that there are, are really three characters in the book of Jonah. Perhaps four if you include the fish. But there's, there's Jonah, there's Nineveh, the Ninevites, and there's God, the Lord. Now, last week in chapter 3, we saw that the story of the Ninevites was kind of tied up and cleared up. Jonah goes to them and preaches, and they turn to God. See chapter 3, verse 10, just before our reading today. When God saw what the Ninevites did, they turned, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. So the Ninevites' story is kind of tied up. But if we finish the book at chapter 3, well, there'll be something missing, wouldn't there? Jonah. What about Jonah and his story? You see, in a way, he's the central character of this book. We started, didn't we, in Jonah 1 with Jonah fleeing from the Lord. And like any good novel, that sets up a tension. Why does he flee? Well, in chapter 4, we find out the reason. And Jonah's story is finally tied up and his lesson applies to us. And at the heart of this chapter is the way that the Lord treats the Ninevites. And it is characterized by one word, and it's a, it's a crucial word to get hold of this morning. It's the word 
grace. Grace. The Lord shows grace to the Ninevites. Now, what is grace? We say grace before meals, don't we? Is that, is that what we mean? No. Grace is simply this. God treating people in a way that they don't deserve. So God treats the Ninevites, the, the people of this e- evil city, in a way that they don't deserve. Look at chapter 3, verse 10. He, he didn't bring on them the destruction that he threatened. He lets them off when their actions, quite frankly, don't deserve it. Grace is God showing love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness to people who deserve nothing but anger, punishment, hatred and condemnation. And grace is at the heart of this chapter. We're going to learn four things about grace from Jonah chapter four. Firstly, and they should be up on the screen, uh, a wrong response to grace, a wrong response to grace. This is verses one to three. We learn in this chapter that Jonah is angry. See verse 1, he's angry. God has just had mercy on the Ninevites. As it were, he's climbed down from the dock and given the Ninevites a hug, saying, I forgive you. Chapter 3, verse 10, he relents. But rather than being delighted, chapter 4, verse 1, Jonah, to this, this seemed very wrong. And in verse 2, we finally find out that this is why he refused to go to Nineveh in the first place, back in chapter 1. Because he knew this is what would happen, and it made him angry. Well, how does that work? Remember that Nineveh, Nineveh, is the capital of Assyria, which at this point in Israel's history was like a superpower of the day. And very much Israel's enemy. Remember at this point that if you were in Israel, if you were one of God's people, you were part of a nation sort of geographical nation and it was a little nation and like any little nation it fell prey uh, to the uh, the ambitions of much larger nations including Assyria and they were Assyria was also a Gentile nation that is they were not in the covenant of God's people they weren't sort of God's special people they were outside of that and God had just let them off and so Jonah was livid because he wanted to see them get it come on God give it to them Look how evil they are. But instead, God shows them grace. And it makes Jonah angry. It really does, because Jonah's anger is the focus of these first three verses. The writer is cleverly comparing him to the Ninevites and to the Lord as well, just to highlight Jonah's reaction. So in verse 1, in the original Hebrew, in the text, there is a word for evil used of Jonah and it's the same word that is used of the Ninevites back in chapter 3. The writer is saying here that Jonah's attitude is just as bad as his enemies and then notice that in verse 2 Jonah prays to the Lord. Isn't this what I said Lord when I was still at home and it's quite an impersonal way of putting it because back in chapter 2 just look back at chapter 2 and verse 6 top of the page on the left Jonah has prayed, but you, Lord, my God, my God. But but now in chapter four, he's distancing himself. He's just praying to God, the Lord. He's angry with God for showing mercy to the Ninevites. And we know that this is the reason. Verse two, uh, Jonah echoes the message that he himself preached to the Ninevites, that the Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. I wonder, do you recognise those words 
If you, if you know your Old Testament, you ought to, because they are straight out of the book of Exodus, out of God's covenant kind of wedding service to Israel, where the Lord makes a special covenant with them, promising to be compassionate and slow to anger, etc. And maybe like a jealous lover, Jonah is saying, God, why are you cozying up to our enemies? He's angry. And verse three, see, it's striking. He's so angry he wants to die. Now, maybe he's just deliberately going over the top to make a point. But maybe, maybe it's a genuine index of his despair. But you get the picture, don't you? Jonah is angry because of God's grace. He's been good to the enemies of Israel, to the Gentiles. He's shown them undeserved kindness. And Jonah is livid. See then, firstly, the wrong response to grace. Because shouldn't Jonah have known different? After all, he too has experienced grace in the book. Back in chapter 2, the whole point of his experience in the fish was that he was saved from, uh, from drowning. As one commentator says, it's ironic that the cause of Jonah's discontent is the goodness of God, which he himself had experienced so dramatically when he was saved from drowning. Well, what about us? It's possible to respond wrongly to the kindness of God. God has as much right to love and forgive your enemy as he does to love and forgive you. I wonder how that makes you feel. If it makes you feel angry, then well, the Lord would say to you, as he did to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? You or I have no more claim on God's grace and love than anyone else. And the Lord can be as generous as he pleases. And it's also possible, I think, to kind of not to want to accept God's love, to know that God loves you and, and can forgive you, but to not want that because deep down, like Jonah, you're angry with him. Perhaps angry at his management of your life. Remember that Jonah, God had told Jonah to do something and Jonah had said no. And maybe that's how you feel of God. Maybe you're blocked in your relationship with him because of anger. Perhaps you feel that he's given you a raw deal or asked you to do something that you just don't want to do. And so you're keeping your distance from him. But again, the Lord would say this morning to you, well, do you have a right to be angry? Humbly examine yourself today as we see, firstly, a wrong response to grace. But, but you see, grace here is the focus and the Lord is gracious. And because of that, wonderfully this isn't the end of the chapter. See, it's striking that Jonah here kind of takes the place of the Ninevites. He's now the one in the wrong. And just as the Lord showed Nineveh grace, so he now, now turns to Jonah and shows him grace by teaching him a lesson. Secondly, a patient lesson by grace. A patient lesson by grace. And this is verses four to nine. God patiently teaches Jonah kind of uncovering Jonah's anger and sort of exploring it, not to punish it, but to change it. And it's gracious because God could just have judged Jonah for his evil and sort of said, right, Jonah, you're keeping your distance from me, so I'm going to remove myself from you. But he doesn't. He treats Jonah graciously as he treated the Ninevites. And we see all of this in God's thought-provoking question to Jonah in verse 4. Is it right for you to be angry? And then what happens next is that Jonah gets a kind of lesson, a little parable, what I've called the parable of the plant. 
So we, we read that Jonah sits down, verse 5, at a place east of the city. And we know from chapter 3 that Jonah had sort of walked through Nineveh. We learnt last week that was a, he, he, he walked through Nineveh preaching. And by this point, he'd sort of gone from the west of the city to the east. And uh, he sort of sits down and waits to see what will happen. And he realises that God has spared Nineveh. He doesn't see the, the thunder and lightning coming down. That God has dealt graciously with the Ninevites. And so having dealt with the Ninevites, the Lord now deals with Jonah. How? Well, by providing a plant. See that verse 6, that word provided. It's actually a key word. It comes up in Jonah a lot. It shows that God is very much in control. He, he appoints this plant uh, for Jonah to shelter him in, the, in what would have been an intense sun. A nice thing. God, God sort of meets Jonah's need, provides him with some nice shade. But then, verse 7, he takes away the plant. He appoints a, a tiny worm to, to eat the plant and destroy it. And then verse 8 sends a, a wind to annoy the now bare-skinned Jonah, who then suffers with sunstroke. See, it's rather strange if you were Jonah, all these sort of slightly weird things going on. Well, what is going on here? Well, when strange things happen to us, it is right to ask, what is God doing? And so here, Jonah is tasting a small experience of the judgment of God having tasted the mercy of God. And predictably, his reaction is, is we, know, we, we know Jonah now, what do you think his reaction is going to be? Well, verse 9, it's anger. And his response shows the depths of his anger striking. Just look at verse 9. The very last word of Jonah in the book of Jonah is dead. Death. See, as one person says, in his questioning and quarrelling with God, Jonah loses all that makes life worth living. Striking. But what is God doing? Well, we'll see in a moment exactly what God is trying to teach Jonah. But for now, let's just step back and learn a lesson about how God works with us. See, that word appointed is so crucial. God appoints means for our spiritual growth. He's very much in control of our lives. And he treats us graciously day to day in the walk of faith. God arranges things all the way through the book of Jonah for Jonah precisely to deal with him kindly, to grow him spiritually, to bring him closer to God. And God does that for us as well. I wonder, is there something perplexing going on in your life at the moment that you can't quite understand? Do you have trouble kind of holding on to blessing you kind of get a relationship here and then you find two years down the line it's gone. Or a job, you think, oh, this is a brilliant job and then you lose it and you think, what's, what's going on? God seems to be sort of doing strange things. Well, the lesson here is to look at your life through God's perspective. See, the, the, Lord, the, the, Lord, the way the Lord worked with Jonah teaches us to, to kind of try and have God's perspective and to ask, what is God teaching me through this? And in all that goes on, God's aim with us is to work on our characters, on our hearts, on our walk with him, to bring us closer to him. His aim is to teach us more about his grace. So this morning, through your difficult circumstances, whatever they might be, bereavement, disappointment, frustration, it's like God is calling you. He's saying, look at me, come to me, I'm working with you. Showing you what's really going on in your heart so that you will come to me. 
sometimes that needs another Christian's help and discernment. I remember someone I worked with in a church saying that he'd been going through a, a really hard time in his life. So he, he sat down with his pastor, he talked through what was going on, and together they tried to see if there was perhaps something wrong that needed to change, or just what, what was it that God was trying to do. Maybe you need to do that with somebody today. We have prayer ministry at the end, if that's something that would help. So what are we seeing? We've seen firstly a wrong response to grace from Jonah. We've seen a patient lesson in grace uh, for Jonah, but what exactly was God trying to teach Jonah in the parable of the plant? Well, now we start to reach to the heart of this chapter. Because in all of this, God was trying to teach Jonah that he is an astounding God of grace. Because thirdly, we see a wonderful show of grace. A wonderful show of grace. And this is verses 10 and 11. This little parable of the plant was meant to teach Jonah and us about God's wonderful grace and concern for the Ninevites. The idea here is simple. Just as Jonah was concerned about his little plant, though he did nothing to deserve it, nothing to nurture it, well, so God is concerned for the Ninevites. Even though actually they're, out, they're outside the sphere of his covenant. The Lord is trying to show Jonah what he himself feels for the people of Nineveh. And what is that? Well, it's concern. That word concern in verse 10 is really better translated pity, God's pity. And notice that it's used of both Jonah in verse 10 and the Lord in verse 11, inviting a comparison. Jonah had pity on the plant and the Lord has pity on Nineveh. In both cases, there was grace involved. Jonah, because, well, he didn't tend or, or make this plant grow, the plant wasn't sort of worthy of his concern. Well, in a similar way, Nineveh wasn't worthy of God's care. They were Gentiles. They were outside of God's covenant. And they were evil and wicked. And yet God had pity on them. See, Jonah, says God. It's like God says to Jonah, look, see, this is what unmerited, unwarranted pity feels like. And this is what I feel for the Ninevites. So much more. And it's amazing because as we learn in Verse 11, Nineveh was a big city, 120,000, and they couldn't tell their right hand from their left. In other words, they didn't have the law of God. They didn't have the Ten Commandments. They, they didn't know which way to turn. They, they weren't sort of morally wise. And in a way, that counted for something with the Lord, increasing his compassion. Whereas for Jonah, it just increased his despising them. I wonder, do you think of Stevenage like that? Do you think of the St. Nick's estate like that? Stevenage, full of people who don't know their right from their left. We're privileged. We have the Bible. We have the scriptures. We, we know what it is God would have us do. But there are thousands here who don't. Who don't know the Lord. Who don't have God's grace. And yet God is concerned for them. I wonder, are we? And the challenge for us, I think, this morning is, well, what about us? Have we responded to God's grace, like the Ninevites. Think of Amber Geiger, the US cop that I started with. Now, I'm not saying that we've murdered anyone, but imagine that God, if God were to say to you this morning, well, I want to come down from my throne and hug you and forgive you and have a relationship with you. I wonder, how would you feel about that? Unworthy? See, God's grace is bigger 
than anything that we've done wrong. And that's the gospel, that's the Christian gospel, that we don't need to do anything to come to God, that we can come as we are, that he wants a relationship with us. Maybe you feel like a Ninevite this morning. Your life is too messed up, too evil, too wicked for God to be interested in you. But the message of grace is that, well, there's nothing too bad that you can do for God to come and forgive you. Maybe your conscience this morning is too afraid of something that you've done. And so you keep away from God. But you see, God invites you to come close because he has pity on you. But you see, responding to God's grace is not just a one-time thing. I mean, actually, it is a one-time thing. We do have to respond. And before I move on, it might be just worth plugging up the identity course that we're running here at St. Nick's. Christianity is not about a set of rules to follow. It's not about just brushing yourself off and trying to start again and live a, a better life. No, it is about a complete transformation of heart and discovering a God who is passionate about forgiving you and loving you. If you want to find out more about that, come along to Identity in January. But grace isn't just something that we respond to once. No, it is something that we go on responding to. And we'll see that in our last point. Let's just think, what have we learned this morning? We've seen a wrong response to grace. We've seen a patient lesson in grace. And we've seen, haven't we, from the Lord, a wonderful show of grace. But as we close, we see, lastly, an unanswered question about grace. An unanswered question about grace. I love how Jonah ends. It ends on a cliffhanger, doesn't it? Ends with, a, with an unanswered question. from the Lord should I not have concern Jonah for the Ninevites and the question is left hanging because remember that it's Jonah's response that is in the balance here the book starts off with Jonah doesn't it with sort of a cliffhanger will he go to Nineveh and we know that he, he won't and then it ends with Jonah as well on another cliffhanger Jonah will you repent of your anger and embrace me the God of grace and if Jonah refuses Well, then he, like the Ninevites were, is far from God. Worse than the Ninevites who did respond to God's grace. And that's the lesson for us and the question for us at the end of the book of Jonah this morning. And it's similar to our last point. How will we respond to God's grace? And if we're Christians today, how will we go on responding to God's grace? Will we be like the Ninevites, humbly embracing this God who is gracious to us? Or will we be like Jonah, proudly rejecting it with anger? See, this is one definition, isn't it, of what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ day to day. Someone who humbly embraces the grace of God and and who is letting it shape their day-to-day lives. And that need is there each day. Let me speak to you if you're a Christian believer here. Are you living in the grace of God each day? What might that look like? Well, I think Jonah shows us some wonderful little examples here. To to embrace God's grace means to live in love rather than anger. To live in love rather than anger. Embracing God's grace means that you embrace God's love for you, despite your sin. And it changes you, doesn't it? It changes you. It, It changes your heart so that you love people rather than rather than being angry. You start to love God warmly and freely and generously and passionately. 
And you start to love those who are different to you because you want to see them transformed by God's grace as well. To live in love rather than anger. Uh, To embrace grace means to live in joy rather than despair. Jonah's worldview ends in death, literally, for him. Because that's his his last word. But grace, with grace, death never has the last word. See, Jonah hadn't learned the joy of embracing God's grace. He would rather die because he holds on to his pride. But to embrace grace means that you can start to live joyfully. Because you see that actually everything is a gift. Everything that God gives is a gift. And it means, I think, embracing grace means to live in intimacy rather than distance. See, God's question at the end of Jonah is like an invitation for him to come close. It's a bit like the, the, the story of the prodigal son in Luke's gospel. Very similar uh, thing going on there. Do you remember that story that the younger brother who goes off and spends all the money and then the, then the elder brother who stays at home and is angry with the father? And that's quite similar here. And like that father, like the prodigal, the, 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 the prodigal son, the father of the prodigal son, God is inviting us to have intimacy with him, to stop our anger and our bitterness and to come close. And that's what God wants, us, wants for us each day. To be a Jonah means to live at a distance from God and to say, God, I'm not going to come close to you unless you meet certain conditions. Unless you give me that thing or that job or, or you sort of heal me or you do good things for me, I'm not going to come close. But embracing grace says, God, you've been so kind to me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve anything. And you can do as you please. I gladly come near you today. For example, think about your prayer life. I wonder, do you enjoy coming close to God just to share your life with him? Or do you keep your distance from him? Well, we've learned four things about grace today, haven't we? We've seen a wrong response to grace, Jonah's anger. We've seen a patient lesson by grace as God deals with Jonah. We've seen a wonderful show of grace as God, the gracious God, invites us to respond And we've seen an unanswered question about grace, challenging us each day whether we will respond and embrace God's grace. And they suggest a question, don't they, to four questions for us to sort of reflect on. I think they're on the screen. Number one, are you sinfully responding to God and his grace today? Are you angry with him? Secondly, what is God graciously teaching you in your life? Thirdly, have you responded to God's grace? And number four, are you embracing God's grace each day? Well, as we reflect on those, let's pray and have a moment of quiet.